We've always taken mums the word to mean keeping things to ourselves. Well, this is no longer the case as we provide mums with the natural, honest, and reliable resources they need from experts and other mums to keep their families happy, healthy, and safe. Be prepared to use your passion for parenting to empower yourself with the knowledge of choice. Welcome to Mums the Word with your host, mum and chiropractor, Kaz Jaff. Thanks for tuning in again to Mums the Word, and I'm very happy to be here on episode 85. Um, this week's episode, our guest Joyce Bergsma is uh, sharing with us her wisdom on the topic of uh, the blues and postnatal depression, a very important topic. Um, I'm sure you would agree. Joyce Bergsma is a registered nutritional therapist practicing orthomolecular and functional medicine since 2010. Joyce has a BA from Canada and later trained as a nutritional therapist in the UK. Her interest is on how food affects mental health and she's an advocate for approachable change for her clients. Before studying nutrition, Joyce worked for the largest private health insurer in the UK and since moving to the Netherlands, she focused on where food comes from and how it can be used to best promote our mental health. Um, it was really a fantastic episode and one I know you'll want to share and if you recognize any of the uh, symptoms or signs in anyone you know or yourself, then I urge you to um, seek uh, advice or uh, or. Um, or support or help from a um, registered practitioner. Enjoy the episode. Good morning, Joyce. I'm so happy to have your mum's the word on this sunny day. Please tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. Morning, Kaz, and uh, thanks for having me here today. Um, so I am Canadian, but uh, I actually have a Dutch background. My parents were born here in the Netherlands. And um, yeah, when, as I was Growing up, I, I had I felt like there was a real connection with the Netherlands. So um, after university, I decided to go traveling. I lived in England, and then uh, finally decided to you know um, move to the Netherlands. So I've been living here now for six years, uh, almost seven, and um, yeah, it's been a, a really great journey. So now I've I've been working as a nutritional therapist the whole time, um, and uh, and yeah, based uh, in the center. Well, I often get asked the question, like, why did you move from Australia to here? Because it's cold. But I guess for you, it wasn't such a shell shock. <laughs> Not much of a difference, no. No, now you have all this European culture and uh, close proximity to travel. So um, just with our topic today, more than just the blues, I know there's um, a background story of what makes you so passionate about what you're doing. And um, yeah, I'd just love to hear your journey into how you found your way with it. Yeah, of course. Um, so when I was growing up, I have uh, two brothers and a sister. And uh, when I was growing up in Canada, near Toronto, <clears throat> um, my mum suffered from depression. So from before I was born, um, in fact, I think even before any of us kids were born. Um, and when I was about 14, I remember going to this sale at some some house uh some uh place called Wyndham House and um there was a big sale and my mother who normally is very frugal with money she said you know go buy anything you want and uh and basically we realized after a few hours that that she was having a bipolar episode so this was induced by a new medication that she had been taking for her depression and uh, it was it was really a very traumatic experience at the time. And uh, my parents were also kind of struggling in their relationship as well. Um, you know, and so when I was growing up, I really felt the effects in our whole family, how depression and bipolar can really affect everyone, you know. And it's not just the person that's going through it, although, yeah, my mother was obviously suffering a lot. Um, and so, you know, my parents eventually got divorced when I was about uh, 18, I guess. They they had already separated maybe a year or so before. But um, And because of the end of a relationship and I think from the exhaustion of trying to keep things going, my dad also started to suffer from depression. And... Um, 
you know, over time, that was very difficult for him, even though he was in a, a new relationship and the relationship was going well. Um, yeah, he, he just couldn't pull himself back together. And uh, with other factors like his job that wasn't going well, you know, I think he really kind of drove himself to an early death just by not taking care of himself. He later became an alcoholic. And um, yeah, you know, so I guess you, I wouldn't necessarily say that, you know, mental health issues ran in my family, but certainly it hit my immediate family quite hard. Um, and then, uh, you know, because of all of this, I felt like my own childhood was quite unhappy. So sometimes I've found making friendships or relationships a bit difficult. And, um, what I did was I, I went to see a therapist. Um, I, I did a lot of researching, you know, trying to figure out ways to not end up like my parents. And, uh, I eventually started studying nutrition, not with that motivation, but just, I was so interested in food. Food was like a central part in our home. We used to have a garden all the time. And, uh, and I really wanted to help people, you know, I wanted to, help people in ways that I couldn't help my own family. And so uh, when I was studying nutrition, I found that there was a direct link between what we eat, what we put into our bodies, and then what we, what results, what kind of symptoms we feel. So I started healing myself. You know, I used to have eczema and I discovered that I had a dairy intolerance, that I could improve the quality of um, the function of my liver and, um, you know, I thought this, it, for me, it was really mind blowing that you could improve mental health. That was a big thing for me. So from that point, I started researching more and more and, and trying to do courses wherever I could, um, in addition to what I was already studying, um, when I was studied in the UK. And so, um, you know, when I was studying at the same time, I also had uh, another kind of very difficult situation because I was um, working a full-time job working for Bupa, which is a private healthcare company. Uh, I was studying part-time, but that also felt kind of like full-time. And then in a, a kind of unsatisfying relationship. And for me, the amount of stress that I felt um, was just enormous. You know, I really felt like something was almost going to break. That's the way I would have put it at the time. And um, I wasn't sleeping. You know, I was trying to finish papers at, until 3 a.m. And then I'd have to get up at 7 to go to work and do a full-time job. And uh, and trying to maintain a little bit of a social life. And uh, I thought, so I have to do something, you know. So I went to go see... Um, an older year student or someone who had just graduated from um, the same course that I was doing in nutrition. And, and that was a really big eye opener again, you know, one of these aha moments. And I was uh, discovering things about amino acids that can help um, improve the way you deal with stress or um, to change your mood. I um, understood more about what we called at the time adrenal fatigue, but it's now called HPA axis dysfunction, um, and how these things later can lead to serious mental health issues if you don't deal with them earlier. You know, if you have someone who has chronic stress, then that can eventually lead to um, depression or anxiety. Um, and, and these things are, are clearly laid out in the scientific literature. So, you know, it was like kind of ratcheting my knowledge up um, with my own personal discoveries while I'm doing research. So, um, yeah, I really felt those kind of things helped. So I, I made a lot of changes at that time and while I was studying. And, and it really just went from there. So... Yeah, it's um, 
a blessing also, I think, sometimes when we go through those difficult times and we don't know at the time where that's going to lead us, you know. Now, you know, you have an anchor to put yourself in the shoes of, of your um, of your clients, you know, and, and it just gives you a drive to want to help them more. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's not a blessing to go through that at the time, but for sure if you put it in, in you know, hindsight is a wonderful thing, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. And you know what? What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And in a sense, that that's really true. So, yeah, I I came out the other end and uh, and really felt more knowledgeable um, and excited about the fact that I could do something. You know, when I was watching my parents, I was thinking, yeah, what can I do? I can't I can't do anything. You know, and um, when so when I have a client who comes to me and is like. I really need to change something. Then I'm like, that's great because, you know, let's make the first little change. Let me explain to you how this works and, and what can happen. So, yeah, it's it's really exciting. There's this really cute cafe in Melbourne. Um, it's called Serotonin. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, it's about eating f- food that makes you feel good, right? And, um, you know, they have swings in the um, – you know, in the actual cafe, like you can sit on a swing to eat. It's it's quite cool. Oh, yeah. It's very Melbourne, um, but you know, it's really like it, the colours in the you know in the in the food bowls, and you know, it's just yeah. I mean, looking at a plate, it just looks live, you know, alive, and um, yeah, it's really a nice concept. Um, if you're okay, I just like to go into a little bit more of the HBA access um, because uh, I mean. I, I want you to just sort of talk about a little bit of that, you know, tired and wired, because from what I know, it's like that stress, you know, it just obviously that tired and wired stops you sleeping and then you end up in, a, in an insomnia sort of kind of state. And just if you could go in a little bit more so that the listener who's never heard of that, how that could then lead to depression, that, that super stressed out state um, could then lead to that. Yeah. Yeah, so um, I mean, the it's called HBA because it's referring to the hypothalamus, pituitary, and adrenal glands, and um, you know there is kind of like this feedback system in there. But yeah, that's that's kind of all you need to know about that part. But basically, um, I think most people know that uh, I mean, adrenal glands they produce adrenaline, but they also produce cortisol. And, and actually around 50 other hormones. Um, but specifically, adrenaline and cortisol are involved in how we deal with stress. So, um, you know, it's, it's the fight, flight, freeze mode that we, we get into. So, you know, in an acute situation, like uh, when you, um, you almost get, you step into the street and you almost get hit, you know, that's like a a life threatening situation where your body is designed to react quickly. Right. And so what it does is it, it shuts down certain parts of the body and, and upregulates other parts. Right. So this is a very normal life saving situation. So your, your, your blood, for example, is going to move away from digestion, which is not important in that moment. And it's going to move to the brain, the heart, the lungs, and your muscles. So you can think quickly, react, jump out of the way of the car, um, you know, and and you can feel that adrenaline kind of pumping around your body, right? So that's the very healthy version. But um, when we have, uh, well, you get the same sort of reaction uh, you know, if you are thinking about a stressful situation at work or having this stressful situation, right? So thinking about it and being in there is basically the same physiological reaction. And so... So perceived uh, versus actual is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So your body just reacts in the same way. So you're still like diverting your blood system away from digestion. Um, you know, your heart is pumping faster, trying to get blood around so that you can react to to this perceived threat to yourself. Um, and so when this is happening all the time, because maybe you're in uh, a job that's stressful, um, 
or you have to work very long hours, or you're in a relationship that's not very good, right? Then you start to have what we call chronic stress. So you, your body is doing this, um, producing all these hormones and excess cortisol all the time. Now, cortisol and adrenaline are stimulating, as you can imagine, so that you can re react. But when you are constantly stimulated, then you end up um, not being able to relax and not being able to sleep. And then when you don't sleep, that then raises your cortisol levels again, right? So, and what cortisol also does is it stimulates hunger. So that makes you um, reach for food, maybe makes you uh, graze kind of all day. Um, and specifically, it, it gets us to start to reach for carbohydrate foods, like fast-releasing carbohydrate foods, you know, like starchy things, um, which then kind of makes the cycle continue, right? So you've got this chronic stress, and the way that it is um, – yeah, controlled by the hypothalamus and the pituitary gland. Um, in people that become depressed, there's often a malfunction in, in this system that would say, okay, your cortisol levels are high, now let's shut them off, right? So the body reacts. It's, it's like, okay, the threat is over, let's lower the cortisol levels. But something goes wrong when we're in chronic stress. And so the body doesn't shut off cortisol in the way it should. And what you get when you have chronic stress, it's like there's, there's different stages, okay? So in the beginning, your body won't shut off cortisol. It just keeps going and going and going. And then eventually, and, and there are some other hormones involved as well, but um, eventually your body just can't produce enough cortisol. So the production starts to decline, but not in a healthy way. So it's not that your stress has changed and therefore your cortisol levels go down um, or the control system makes it go down, but it just, um, it's because you can't produce anymore. So why can't you produce anymore? It could be that you don't have the nutrients that you need in order to make cortisol. It could be that the hypothalamus and pituitary and adrenal glands are not functioning well anymore because they've had such chronic exposure to these hormones. Um, yeah, so, you know, it's, it's a bit of a complex system, right? But basically what we find is that in depressed people, the cortisol levels are elevated um, in the beginning. So... Okay. Yeah. yeah. And then that just because they're like, because that tired and wired is really that, yeah, they're just even, they can't turn it off. So they can't sleep, right? There's constantly being, where's that tiger chasing me? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It leads to anxiety, you know, tearfulness, uh, agitation. And um, when you always have like high cortisol levels as well, it tends to reduce the cell growth that happens in the hippocampus of the brain, which means that you might have trouble, um, you know, remembering things. So, you know, when you're, you're very stressful, it's, it's difficult to, uh, when you're very stressed out, you're, uh, it's difficult to remember things. And that's a, a d direct result of, of these raised cortisol levels. So, so how does that relate? Cause I'm just thinking about the listeners. I mean, you know, that's so we call it baby brain, right? So, you know, I mean, you, you're born in this, uh, the baby's born and it's almost like you're in this on a high and, you know, I almost call it the bubble. Everything's amazing and, you know, yeah. but then yeah. there's like a, I don't know when it hits, maybe after a month or so. And it's just that pace of life of, yeah, obviously broken nights. It's, it's almost like this vicious cycle, right? So yeah. <laughs> you're set on this clock of waking up sometimes even before the baby's working to feed, you know, it's just, yeah. and, and, and so you just, talked then uh, just made me think you know this this lack of memory you know where does that come in is it is it stress from having the baby and the change of life or is there something hormonally in our body protecting us from worrying like not worrying about and then the cognitive brain I've always thought like is it so that we just focus on the baby in front of us and don't it's almost like we move into parasympathetics so that we have to just focus on what's in front of us and not sweat the big stuff that we just can't even think yeah. about it anymore 
no, I know. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, right? You, you're you not really in the parasympathetic mode. You're in the sympathetic, which is um, these these high cortisol levels and everything. And the, the belief is, what the, the studies show is that um, it's due to the pregnancy hormone hormonal changes that occur that then raises cortisol levels as well. So then you also have, you know, you've got this new baby who's crying all the time. You're getting to know it still. Um, you can't sleep for very long before you have to feed again. Um, and, and lots of people don't have enough support around them that they can get some rest. Um, yeah. And, you know, you have this huge drop in hormones, like directly after the baby's born, right? It's, uh, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, you you can... Yeah, you can really define the, like, there's three stages of, of postpartum depression, right? There's baby blues, which happens, it usually peaks, like, in the five days after your, um, uh, after you give birth. And, you know, your estrogen levels drop a hundredfold. That is a huge amount. Progesterone drops about 50-fold. And then you have these other hormones that are kind of going uh, crazy as well. And, um, yeah, I've got a lot of them listed on a, a blog post I wrote recently. But, you know, because of these huge, huge amount of changes, it makes sense that you're going to experience the blues. I would say 75% of women experience the blues. Um, and it, it could last up to two weeks. Most people... Um, don't have it after 10 days but by that point you know okay you've been through the blues you're still trying to get the baby to settle you're still feeding really frequently all of these things are um impacting the hpa access you know i just think and it's so nice that you said it's 75 percent of women i mean this is super normal i was so much more prepared second time around because yeah. i think for me it was day four and i was just like who am i yeah, that what you said—that teariness and it's like it's like mm -hmm. it comes over you, and it's not who you are. And of course, the crams are in Holland. I mean, they're well prepared for it; they know what's happening. But yeah. just to know second time around that that was likely going to happen and it's normal is—it's just yeah. such a relief. And and it's just so important to podcasts like this, so that you know, seventy-five percent of women are going to experience this—you know—this feeling come over them because of this hundredfold drop in I mean, It's normal. Yeah, it, it, totally. you need to be prepared for it. I mean, this is yeah, it's so good that you're saying this. Yeah, and and the thing is that um, you know, I was speaking to a friend of mine recently who, um, yeah, she she's had you know more serious postpartum depression, mm -hmm. and um, she said you know people just don't talk about it, and so that's why I think that this is such an important thing to talk about because, you know, because there are three different um, definitions of, of postpartum blues that you can get. Right. So that it's important to recognize each one so that you know whether you are at risk, you know? So, okay. You could have the blues and there, some people experience more severe blues, right. Um, than others. And so it's important to talk about it with your friends, with your crams or with your um, midwife or whoever, just so that people can know, hey, maybe this is something a little more, you know, because people who have more severe blues are more at risk of having postpartum depression, which is, it's much more serious. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it influences how you are with the baby, how you bond, and that can kind of you know, have long reaching effects. So it's like, when, yeah, when do you, uh, when can you say that it's postpartum depression? And then there's another one, which is postpartum psychosis, you know? Right. And so talking about these things is, is really important. There's lots of things that you can do to um, prevent it. Because the, we know so much more than we used to about what kind of contributes to these factors, you know? So, yeah. Um, <clears throat> I think that, uh, I mean, postpartum psychosis is pretty rare. Um, but postpartum depression, you know, the research shows that between 13 and 20% of people um, 
actually end up getting it. So 20% is, is quite high. Um, and the reason I say 13 to 20 is because 13% of people get treated for postpartum depression, but probably up to 20 actually, and, and studies have, have shown this, they actually uh, score high enough to be considered having postpartum depression, but it doesn't get picked up. With so much great information provided on each episode, we've created an easy way for you to stay up to date on keeping your family happy, healthy, and safe. For exclusive content, as well as show notes, links for everything we discuss on the episode, as well as a free newsletter to help keep you informed, visit mumsthewordpodcast.com. And when you say treated, I mean, this is like medical cases with medication, or this is just general uh, therapist, or all of the above, uh, nutrition... Yeah, well, uh, luckily, you know, we we recognize that there are lots of different types of therapies that can help with it. So um, in some cases, it, it means antidepressants. Uh, so if you are going strictly through your doctor, then uh, it would be antidepressants. But also um, things like uh, going to therapy groups or, or or having people come to your home, especially in the beginning, um, you know, in a lot of cases, you can have a midwife or Kramsorg there every day, or that you're always with someone. So there are lots of things out of uh, that that have been shown to benefit it. Uh, exercise. Um, there's acupuncture, massage, these kind of things. But there is a lot that can be done with um, nutrition as well. So. Yeah. Yeah. And um, the thing is that, uh, you know, you can't control the fact that these estrogen and progesterone levels are going to drop. But and and there can be some genetic factors like some women are more at risk than others. Right. But there's a lot of strategies, um, you know, for example, like one of the theories about um about postpartum depression is that there is uh, um, lower levels of neurotransmitters, right? And this actually relates to something called monoamine. Um, it's MAO uh, dash A. Um, and so when these raise, then it's harder to make neurotransmitters, right? So there's this whole neurotransmitter uh uh, concept. So you need a lot of things in order to make neurotransmitters. Um, first of all, you need the amino acids that you get from protein. So for example, tryptophan is an amino acid that converts into serotonin and melatonin. So serotonin is your feel-good neurotransmitter. Melatonin helps you sleep. Then we also have tyrosine, which is an amino acid that converts to dopamine, which is again another feel-good um, uh, neurotransmitter. So you need to make sure that you have enough protein in your diet. So this means like every meal and snack that you're having some protein so you can get these amino acids. And then in order for the serotonin, um, melatonin and dopamine to be created, you also need these things called cofactors. So, for example, um, B vitamins like B6, folate, B12, um, and minerals like magnesium and zinc. These are really important in order for your body to be able to make uh, the neurotransmitters. Um, inflammation is another um, issue that they, they say is contributing to uh, postpartum depression. And the some of the ways that are good for reducing inflammation are omega-3 fatty acids. So, yeah. you know, your fish and your nuts and your seeds, um, these contain um, kind of breakdown products that are called EPA and DHA. Um, so if you look on the back of a, um, a fish oil product, you're going to see those things listed. Um, they're very, uh, very popular because there's a lot of research that shows that they regulate immune function, they improve the blood flow to the brain. Um, and, you know, they found that 
it's really essential to have enough fats while you're pregnant because your baby's brain is, I mean, well, all of our brains are made of 60% fat. So if you, your baby is going to have a healthy brain, it's going to take all the fat from you, which that's really what contributes to baby brain as well. You know, the fact that it's, it's stealing from you. So if you don't have enough in your diet, you're going to be deficient. And, and then that leads to inflammation that could lead to postpartum depression, right? Um, you know, it's also important to have fatty acids for uh, production of breast milk. And, um, you know, it, they looked at, the, there was a study called the 23 uh, countries study, and they saw that where consumption of seafood was high, the incident of postpartum depression was low, you know? So, yeah. So like countries like Japan and, and other countries in Asia, whereas for instance, South Africa scored very low. They had low um, omega-3 fatty acid in their diet and a much higher incidence of postpartum depression. So yeah, it's it's so crucial for for our health in general, but especially during pregnancy and post-pregnancy. And another way that you can lower inflammation is um, with turmeric. You know, there's been a lot of studies done around turmeric. Um, so it has this active ingredient called curcumin. And um, it doesn't matter whether it's dried or fresh. You know, it all uh, all contributes to helping lower inflammation. So there are these things called uh, cytokines, which are reduced by having turmeric and omega-3 fatty acids. So, yeah, it's there's a long way to go. Um, or a lot of things that you can do in terms of uh, helping yourself. So that's kind of for inflammation. But, you know, there's lots of other... Um, vitamins that are important. I mean, we talk about iodine in terms of uh, pregnancy. Um, I don't know if you heard, if you noticed that that was in your pregnancy supplement, if you were taking one. Uh, I think, I, yeah, actually, I think at the moment I have a separate one also. Just because, yeah. Yeah, yeah great. Because, you know, iodine is required for brain development during like the fetal and early postnatal life. Um, it's also important for breastfeeding <clears throat> and, you know, there's a lot of incidences of issues with the thyroid around pregnancy, um, partly because of, of all these hormonal changes. And while you can also have too much iodine, uh, too little is, is bad for the thyroid. And, uh, so this is usually put into pregnancy supplements to help avoid that. So because the baby needs a lot, that means that the mother's requirements also increase, right? And it's by about 50%. So, and this is partly because your thyroid is ramping up activity, you know, your metabolism increases so that you can uh, carry this baby all the way to term. So that means that you need more iodine plus all the other nutrients that the thyroid needs in order to make thyroid hormone. <clears throat> so when basically when nutrients, when you're deficient in nutrients, then the body has trouble functioning properly, right? And when the body has trouble functioning properly, it starts reacting and that can in a sense lead to uh, postpartum depression. <clears throat> so for example, um, B vitamins, I already mentioned them in relationship to uh, neurotransmitters. Um, and they, they're also involved in keeping levels of homocysteine low. So homocysteine, um, it's something that is, it, it, it basically uh, is a neurotoxin for the brain. So, yeah, that's what neurotoxin means, that it can cause damage to the brain. So by having B vitamins, then you keep that the levels uh, quite low. So vitamin D, um, it helps protect the brain as well. It also lowers inflammation and helps boost mood. Uh, calcium. So 
calcium is very important for making your baby's uh, bones. But that leaves the mother at risk of deficiency if she doesn't have enough in the diet, you know, because there is a lot of calcium going to towards the, uh, the skeleton. So it also plays a role in neurotransmitter release. And it's been shown to when people supplement with calcium, uh, it's been shown to re help reduce postpartum depression uh, if taken for three months after, uh, yeah, for taken for three months at a time. So even PMS symptoms respond to calcium uh, supplements. So, yeah. So potentially if you have PMS before you're pregnant, if you suffer from that regularly, uh, upping your calcium in your diet could be beneficial. Yeah. Yeah. That's something I often say to clients as well is that, you know, you grow a baby and then you're supposed to feed the baby. So, you know, it's it sucked all of you, everything from you, almost like a parasite, I guess, while, while, while it's in, in utero and then you continue to feed it. And, um, and then comes along second baby. And so putting the second baby into an already depleted system, um, yeah. you know, it's something that, yeah, I'm glad you're mentioning all this as well. So I think it's important if we, um, you know, because, we, you know, we're talking about more than just the blues. I mean, what are some things that people, you know, to, you know, if they're at home and, okay, they know they've had a bit of the baby blues, but really some things to recognize the postpartum depression. Is it the anxiety? Is it the lack of sleep? Is it the not turning, shutting off? You know, if someone's listening right now, is it that they just can't seem to get a grip on things? You mean like what are the, uh, the signs they might recognize in themselves? Yeah, or some, yeah, yeah. 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 So, um, I would say that, uh, you know, like, yeah, cause the blues is, is very normal. Um, but when, so with the blues, you might get mood swings, anxiety, feel a little overwhelmed. Um, but with postpartum depression, that's like when you're crying excessively and you can't seem to stop, uh, when you feel like withdrawing from your family and friends, uh, you lose your appetite or you're eating a lot more than usual can be both. Um, you don't, you have difficulty bonding with your baby. Uh, you've got, you're feeling very depressed or you have mood swings. You can't sleep or you sleep too much can also be, um, you've got overwhelming fatigue or loss of energy. You've got a lot of fears, so a fear that you're not a good mother, a fear about the health of your baby, um, that you're feeling worthless or shame for all of these things that you're not maybe, yeah, that you're not feeling close to your baby. You know, that a lot, everybody thinks, oh, this is supposed to be a happy time and you're going to bond with your baby and it'll be great. But, you know, a lot of people don't feel that and then they feel really guilty about it. Um, maybe you can't think clearly, you have trouble concentrating, uh, you have anxiety or panic attacks, um, you know, in, ex in extreme cases, you have thoughts of harming yourself or your baby, that sort of thing. So, yeah. Okay. Well, that's not clear. So yeah, it's more that I just thought someone listening to this, you know, yeah, that they know that, yeah, it's, it's gone beyond the level of being normal and they need help. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I've got all of these um, symptoms listed on a, a recent blog post that I've done. So <clears throat> if anyone's confused, then they can go and check there. Yeah, great. Well, thank you. I mean, yeah, there's so much information. Um, I'd love you to share, Joyce, uh, a quote or an affirmation and I guess how it relates to this or, or why you chose it. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, my quote is... Uh, you don't have to see the whole staircase, just take one step at a time. And uh, the reason I chose that is because I think when you are suffering with um, anxiety, depression, or just a low mood in general, you know, people tend to have a lack of motivation, or they feel overwhelmed, and they don't know where to start. And I'm, I'm very much when I work with my clients, I really focus on breaking it down. So where they can't see how to break it down. I help them. Um, and we, you know, we break it down to a point 
where you can just do the next thing. And that's all you need to focus on. And then once you're done that, then we talk about the step after that. You know, so it's just taking one step at a time. And that's the best way to make long lasting change. I think it's a great quote for life. <laughs> you know, you know, it's uh, it's re- it's relevant in lots of in lots of things. So uh, yeah, difficult phases with toddlers and things like that, <laughs> parenting. Yeah. Um, so as you know, and you've listened to um, quite a few casts of Mums a Word. I really like to create a community where we're not feeling like we're all alone and this this topic is is very relevant um but i'd love if you could share a time that was maybe not so easy just so that you know we all know that yeah not everyone um is in a rosy situation all the time we all have our, our hard times if you could share a time that was maybe not so easy for you and um and what you did to get out of it yeah um well uh very recently i so Actually, four years ago, I started the process of uh, doing IVF um, because I very much wanted to be a mother. And um, after four years of persisting, I recently decided to give up this uh, goal um, because I thought that, um, yeah, I had really put in a lot of effort. I've... uh, I've done everything I could possibly think of to get there and, um, and it's not worked. And so I've decided to accept that and it's not an easy decision, but I, I feel that it is the right one for me at the moment. And, um, yeah, it's because it's not easy. I thought, what are the ways that I can help myself? So I really focused my efforts even more on having good health. So making sure I'm eating regularly, I make sure that I'm uh, always having, you know, all the nutrients I need. So protein, fat and carbohydrates, but in addition to, um, you know, antioxidants, vitamins and minerals and, and the things that help you feel better and reduce stress levels. Um, I also make sure that I, I talk to friends, I talk to my partner Um, you know, I avoid situations I feel uncomfortable, but I also challenge myself a little bit. So yeah, it's, it's been a rough couple of months, but I, I feel very positive about the direction. So yeah, I think that's the thing, you know, bring in all the resources that, that you can to help yourself recover. So yeah, and I think I think what you just said as well, talking to the partner and even just verbalizing it on on a podcast, but also, um, you know, talking to friends around you, it's almost like that thing where people don't talk about that they're pregnant for the first, you know, twelve yeah. weeks because it's like, oh, if I lose the baby, and there's so much shame around it. And um, when we've done many episodes um, about this shame with either depression, what we're talking about now, or, or shame of miscarriage or shame of, uh, you know, not being able to conceive or, or not be able to, you know, keep the baby. And, um, yeah, it's just this, it's almost this, it's like this Pinterest world that we live in, you know? And, uh, yeah, it's just not real. And, and, and what, yeah, it's not, it's, and, and everybody knows Facebook people post what they want to post and, uh, you know, it's um, it's just not real to be able to um, put up, you know, to put, you know, to keep up with that. Um, no. But you just said that it's been a few hard months, but I can imagine it's been a few hard years. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. and the strength that you just, what you've learned along the way. I mean, there must be so much strength, and, strength and courage. Um, well, to keep persisting, but also courage to say, I'm going to give up. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's a long road. And it's, this is the kind of thing when you've dreamt about it your whole life, um, to give it up is, is really, yeah, you're just like, oh, this is the, the end, you know? And so, yeah, I, I think it's something I'm, I'm going to probably struggle with the rest of my life. But I have confidence that it's going to be a bit easier. And um, yeah. Well, time definitely helps, I think. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, I think it's, you know, uh, whether I've shared it on the cast or not before, like even going through a divorce, it's, it's letting go of that happy ever after story that you'd already pictured for yourself, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and seeing there's another path or accepting. I mean, that's really what it is. It's letting go of that, what you said, you dreamt about all your life. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. 
and and yeah. and letting letting the universe guide you, right? I mean, you know the universe has your back. You know that. Yeah, yeah. You can put it out there and uh, and take whatever comes comes back, right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, I I know just from the type of person you are, and just from what you've already mentioned about research, that there must be some resources that you'd love to share. Maybe not on the level of a of a nutritionist, but um, some resources that you'd love to share with the audience that have whether they can look further or just help them on their yeah. journey. Um, maybe you could share. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think that um, any kind of mood issues always start from before. So one of my favorite books at the moment to recommend is called Period Repair Manual. I think it's so important for women that everyone, I've, I've sent it to both my nieces in Canada, and uh, it's, it's Natural Treatment for Better Hormones and Better Periods. It's written by a Canadian who lives in Australia. Oh, yeah, a woman named uh, Lara Bridden. And, you know, she also has a lot of information on her Facebook page. So it's Lara Bridden. Um, like Sarah Bridden? Uh, it's L-A-R-A and then uh, B-R-I-D-E-N. R-D-E-N. Yeah. And uh, she's a naturopath. And the way she writes in this book, it's, you know, in layman's terms, it's easy to understand. And she runs you through the whole situation of, you know, what does a period look like? And, you know, she talks about the whole cycle that it's not just about your period, but it's also, are you ovulating? And if not, why not? And what are the ways to assess it? And, you know, and then getting into the the different problems that many women experience, you know, like endometriosis or fibroids or, or things like that. So that's, yeah, really my favorite book at the moment. Sounds good. Uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, I would also recommend a book called Why Isn't My Brain Working? It's by a guy named Datis Karazian, and uh, he's an American guy. And uh, he also writes in layman's terms, but it's a, it's a kind of a thick book. It's, uh, it's so good. It's really, really interesting. You know, he's got a lot of studies mentioned in here. Um, yeah, and he, he talks about the, how there's a lot of hope for what you can do. So lots of practical recommendations as well, testing you can do. Um, and, and that's what I also use in my clinic, you know. Uh, I think it's very important to, to do testing where you can. Um, let's see, another book I would uh, recommend is called The Brain Maker. It's by Dr. David Perlmutter. He... Um, he is an American uh, neuroscientist, and he talks a lot about how important gut microbes are for your mental health. So, you know, we talk about the gut being the second brain. I didn't really get a chance to talk about that, but it's so important that um, you maintain this environment that is in your gut because it has an effect, you know, like 95 or 90% of serotonin is stored in the gut. So if your gut is like wiped out of, of the good bacteria, then your serotonin levels are going to be low. So and that, he, he's got another great book, the, the other bread wine. I mean, he's, yeah. It's the a, brain. Yeah. 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 I've got, but that one's sitting here too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. No, I mean, they, they sound great and very relevant to this topic as well. Um, yes. So, well, I mean, we know you're in Amsterdam, but I'd love you to share um, some more details about how people can get in touch um, with you and find out more about your services. And um, and yeah. just, yeah, I know um, you do Skype and, and things like that, but just let us know a little bit more about what you offer and how we can find out more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, as I mentioned, I do uh, functional testing. So that's to find out exactly where you are at the moment with nutrients and, and toxins that can affect the brain. Um, I do one-to-one -one consultations. And um, so that usually involves an intake and several follow-ups. Uh, I've started this, uh, this concept called the the happiness hub. So if you go to my website um, and then backslash happiness hub, 
then you'll you'll find it or there's a it's in the menu as well and it's kind of um a concept around making mental health uh you know yeah a, a concept uh, that is approachable you know that it's open and we can talk about it and uh, have a conversation about it so on my blog there's lots of resources um to find out about anxiety and postpartum depression and things that you can do how to heal your gut that sort of thing and so i'm just about to start up a facebook group um around the, the happiness hub and then additionally i do some workshops um usually they can just be arranged when a, a group contacts me so i do fermentation making kimchi and kombucha and other fermented vegetables um I also do one on adrenal fatigue or what we call now HPA axis dysfunction. And um, yeah, there's a, a nice variety. Mindful eating, that's another big thing. So that's really good for moving into the parasympathetic relaxation mode. So so you're yeah. definitely allowed to drop the bomb of what your website is called and also your Instagram or <laughs> Facebook. So, I mean, you said it's my blog and website backslash, but you, I'm going to yeah. put it all in the show notes, of course, but please let the listeners know who don't go yeah. to the show notes what your website is. So it's uh, eatlivelovefood.com and, uh, and definitely head over to the Happiness Hub so that you can uh, get more information. <laughs> and you have a Facebook page? Uh, Facebook, yeah, I have Facebook and Instagram. Those are where I'm more more active, and I've also got a YouTube. So, with all of them, um, if you just go to Facebook and then type in "Eat, Live, Love, Food," then you will no come to that. Yeah, and I'll definitely put them in the show notes. Also, I just thought uh, it would be wise to mention what the website was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and it's such yeah. a great name as well. You know, so. Yeah. Oh, and actually, um, if anyone wants to follow me on Instagram at the moment, I am, uh, I'm doing the 100 Days of Gratitude. So this is, uh, you know, part of my therapy for um, uh, having given up IVF and uh, my dream. But uh, yeah, it's, it's a really nice feeling and I'm about halfway through. Um, so yeah, join me. Oh, thank you so much for, um, well, for the information and the wisdom on this topic, but also for sharing and, and keeping it real. Um, I'm really looking forward uh, to sharing this, um, this episode. Great. Thanks very much. You're welcome, Joyce. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Mums the Word. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes and join us on our Facebook page to help us share the message to more mums all over the world. We look forward to having you join us again next time here on your trusted source for all mums everywhere, Mums the Word. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.